Copeland, and welcome to We Got You. This is the show where we deal with all of the things that are making us crazy in the year 2020. All of those things that are bothering us where we think that we're the only ones, and it turns out we're not. Everybody's dealing with it, and we're going to try to help you. So let me introduce my distinguished co-host. Wow. <laughs> I feel so important. You're, you're, you're distinguishing you're my colleagues, Jeanette. Tell folks about yourself. Well, hi, I'm Jeanette Kaplun. I'm a Latina mom, writer, and lifestyle expert. Welcome to We Got You. Debbie? Hi, I'm Dr. D. I'm a family doctor and a resilience expert, and I'm a mom of four. One, I guess I'd say one man and three boys, because he's 18 now, and I'm in Pennsylvania. And you make house calls, which was completely surprising. <laughs> yeah, at, in our health center we do, and actually more during the pandemic even than we did before. Because yeah, I've got this rash. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> well, we do every week as we talk about the, the, the things that everybody's dealing with, and they think that they're the only person dealing with it. And we're going we're gonna to focus today's show on fear. I have got you today about fear. Fear actually is pretty pretty real. It's physical. It's not something in our heads. Our body reacts to it. And it can actually be very good at saving us from danger, right? Because we have this fight or flight response in which we have adrenaline. But what happens when all the, that adrenaline and the stress hormones called cortisol start building up? Because we find ourselves living in constant fear, fear for our health, feel for our finances, for our job, for our loved ones, even for our mental health. That is all too real. And that's why we want to help you with hacks, with experts, with tips, and of course, with all of us here that we want to help you. Right, Debbie? Yeah, Jeanette, you're totally right. We have this response in our brain that goes into our entire body when we're afraid and it can totally save our lives. You absolutely got it. The problem is our brain doesn't decide to distinguish between a right now life-threatening fear and anything else that triggers that fear response. So we get that same response, that same kind of everything else, your ability to reason, your ability to think out choices carefully just goes dark while your reflexes take over. And normally that response clears out in seconds as soon as you realize that the car went past and didn't hit you or that isn't a shark in the water, or that wasn't that noise wasn't someone breaking into your home. And you, you take some deep breaths and your kidneys clear that chemical right out. But when you're having these constant triggers, then you keep this near constant state of hypervigilance that gets in the way of some of your more useful reactions. And it has really profound consequences on your immune system, your heart rate, your vision, your breathing, your thoughts. We're going to talk about that chemical reaction today, but we're also going to talk about what can we do about it? Well, let me ask you a question because everybody is afraid of, of something. What is it you're afraid of? My little sister was afraid of spiders. I got a thing about rats. What, what are you afraid of? I outed mine. Uh, for me, it's home intruders. I, oh. Whether it's just me or I'm here with my kids, middle of the night noises, that gets me every single, even if Part of my brain knows what it is or knows that it's probably okay. And I've been through this hundreds of times and it's actually not ever except once been a home intruder. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, that's it. How about you, Jeanette? Spiders. Actually, I've had to confront it as a mom because you want to show a good example. But anytime I run into a spider, my first reaction is, oh, no, no don't do that. 
<laughs> that is triggering. And But it's so interesting because I started asking my community what they're afraid of right now. And the answers, I mean, they kept coming in and in. I don't know if you guys felt the same, but so many people from my community right now are scared about losing their jobs because they're scared about how to pay the bills, how to feed their families, even holiday gifts, right? So it, it, the fear is real, the fear is there. And that's why I think this episode is so important. What Absolutely. About you guys? I have a question from someone in my community. She said, and, and like you, Jeanette, when I put this out, I was amazed by the waterfall, just like an avalanche of people's reactions. I thought people might want to keep this to themselves because we have a lot of shame around fear sometimes. But right now, I think people are, are owning and ready to recognize that we're all having fear. And it's easier a little bit to talk about. And this woman said, I, I have a lot of fears, but underneath it all is this fear that I'm not going to be able to live my life the way I thought I would, that this year is going to have such an impact that I'm not going to be able to keep and do my job, that I'm not going to be able to take care of my kids, that I'm not going to be able to live to old age and have things go in kind of the natural order. She, she feels that this year might just disrupt everything forever. Wow. Yeah. My, uh, in my community, there's somebody who came to me who has more of a lack of fear that is concerning. And that is, you know, we're dealing with the pandemic and we've got a couple hundred thousand people who've died. And there are people in my community who do not believe that it's real. So I'm going to ask a doctor friend of mine, I won't give her name, but her initials are Dr. G. Um, <laughs> how exactly should we deal with people who are not as uh, maybe I shouldn't say afraid, or, but as concerned about uh, the pandemic as they should be. This is really important because it can have such an impact on you. You know, it's one thing if your friend doesn't believe in wearing seatbelts, as long as you're not in the car with them. But in this case, people's belief or not in facts and science can directly impact you and the people you care about. And these bigger, the ripples go out to the financial impacts and things being closed longer. The best thing to do if you need to have the argument with this person for your own safety, it's your roommate, for example, mm -hmm. then you put things in I statements and you give them the chance to do you a favor to say, I'm concerned about this. And so that I can sleep at night, I'm asking you to do these things, not asking them to change their beliefs, but focusing on their behaviors. But I think, Brian, you're getting to something really important, which is what do you do when not only do you feel like that there's this out of control thing happening, but also people around you are actively making it worse yeah, and harder than it has to be. And that's something I heard about from a lot of people in the questions that I asked on social media. Yeah, like, I've seen a lot like the sense of, sense, like feeling that you're in this group project and nobody else is doing the work, right? And so if somebody doesn't believe in the project or in how you're going to be graded, then and that they're how actually do you manage saying, that? I, I don't, I don't care that. if we all fail or there is no such thing as grades, if you want to go to that metaphor. And when you see it, Brian, when you see that someone pop up in your social media, do you want to engage them or do you want to walk away? Like, what's your end? Well, I've tried. I, I've tried to engage them. And then I've tried to engage them with facts. I'll go and, you know, pull things out of the Washington Post or the New York Times or, or uh, one of the medical journals that happens to be online, an article about how deadly it is and how how uh, contagious it is. And it's, they're, they're swatted away like flies when you try to, to hit them with facts. They, they've got their own belief system that is based on one or two particular sources of information. Everything else is noise. 
Did you guys see that there was a nurse from South Dakota who got on Twitter and was talking about her experience in the shift just ended at her hospital where she's taking care of dying patient after dying patient. And the thing that was most overwhelming to her is that as people are dying, she said in an interview I saw with her afterwards about this, that instead of FaceTiming with their families to say goodbye, they're screaming, screaming obscenities at the nurses saying there's no such thing as COVID. I must be dying of lung cancer and you're lying to me, or I can't be dying because this disease isn't real. And she said it is both infuriating and heartbreaking all at the same time. It's crazy because right now, what I do think is that those people are scared of science and they try to assert control over something that they can't manage by just discrediting science and just saying, okay, I won't believe this. I won't believe in testing. I won't believe in this disease. And that way I can pretend it will just go away. And but doesn't that happening. feel like saying, there's nothing scary there. There's nothing scary there, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and that's why I think fear can be so powerful because it not only harms you, but it can also harm others. And that's what we'll continue to explore. But there is hope and there are certain ways in which we can manage the fear. All right, and we're gonna talk about the ways to manage the fear coming up. Financial instability and economic insecurity is a great fear for all of us. I know that for me, 2020 has been especially challenging because so many work projects were canceled. So many projections that I had did not happen. And even all the savings that we had as a family proved to be quite insufficient when you start looking at all the uncertainty surrounding us. I know I am not alone. I have been reading all the comments from you guys and Around 28 million people in the U.S. alone right now are facing unemployment. Those numbers could rise, sadly. And I know that many people are struggling right now, finding ways to make ends meet, fighting off evictions, and so many other problems tied to their financial stability and the future of their family, right? Because we worry about our families. But we have hope. We have strategies. We have tips for you. That's why we invited an expert to we got to, because we really want to help. We want to empower you with information. And that's why I want to welcome very, very warmly and gratefully Stephanie Anderson. She is a financial expert, a tax strategist, and the owner of Tax Pros Inc. Welcome, Stephanie. Oh, thank you, Jeanette. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate this message you're bringing to everybody. Hi, Stephanie. We're so glad that you could be here today. You're going to help us so much. Hi, Stephanie. Pleasure to have you. Uh, this is a, a big topic we're doing today on fear. And I'm curious as to what the biggest fear you are hearing from your clients regarding taxes happens to be. Oh, yes. They're, they're very afraid to owe any money and what could happen from, from owing too much money. Are they going to go to jail? Am I going to lose my home? These are the type of things that clients are asking me. Yeah, those fears are so real because so many people are facing the fear of losing their jobs, their homes, their food, right? That food banks are stretched to the max. So I think that what you are explaining to us is exactly what our community is telling us that they're more scared about what they're fearful of. 
but Stephanie, you're going to help us, right? You have strategies, you have advice, correct? You have five steps to help us? Absolutely. I have five simple steps that anybody can take to turn this ship around. So just know that you're not alone and it's not hopeless. And I would like to change the mindset of not of a lack, but let's look at this as an opportunity to change the trajectory of our financial life going forward up until retirement. All that right. does feel really hopeful, right? That feels like maybe this isn't just a downward spirals, which is what it feels like, because even for folks who maybe did feel really on the ball and had eight months of savings, well, it's been eight months. So now they really feel like they're back to square one. What do you want us to look at? What what should we be thinking about? Uh, debt is, is for sure real. And I don't know about you, but I was always lectured about creating budgets and stop spending money and penny pitching and stop going out for coffee. You know, go buy the bulk uh, bag of rice from Smart and Final, grow your own vegetables and like really live frugally and try to save every penny. That is good to a certain extent. And perhaps those are great things to implement. But I wanna challenge that idea because that's an idea that we've all been told for so long. What I wanna suggest is that we create new money. How? How? Fantastic. I call it pigs. <laughs> well, pigs is passive income generators. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Awesome. While you sleep. And the definition of passive income is actually uh, something that you might have to study, but it has to do with more about how much time you're putting into the activity. So I'm suggesting that we find new money, that we create pigs in our life, let's say minimum $150, up to $1,800 or $1,000 a month that we are bringing in from pigs. And that money is dedicated to debt, to resolving debt. Okay. And what's the easiest way to actually create those pigs? First of all, if you Google it, you'll find a hundred ideas that you didn't even think were possible. But one example I could give you is um, people this day and age are paying for information. Information has a high price tag to it. There is a platform called Udemy where you can create an online course and people are making a thousand to three thousand dollars a month. That's just one example. We have Etsy. Some people are making forty-five thousand a year selling jewelry. Even teaching people to play video games. My son just told me that people pay money for that on Fiverr. It's one hundred percent true. There's no reason why any of us cannot take advantage of that. And as you grow it over time, it's really going to replenish you. Okay, that, okay. that's really good. But what about retirement? Right. A lot of people have dipped into their retirement accounts just to try to right. get by through this year. Like, what's your advice, Stephanie? Well, that's true. And what happens if you're under 59 and a half, you're not only paying tax on that money, but you're paying an additional 10% penalty. And this can generate huge amounts of tax liability. So I want you to strategize right now because of coronavirus, there are some special ways to take money out of your retirement account that are tax friendly. Okay. So when you call and take that money out, you want to say it's a coronavirus related distribution to qualify for that is broad and roomy. Please review the qualifications on the IRS website. When you go on the IRS website, it says coronavirus tax relief. But Oops. otherwise think about that money as being like pretty expensive. If you're really going to, if you have to dive into it, you want to see if you tried everything else first. Oh, 100%. And, and what about unemployment? Because 
I mean, a lot of people have to right now go on unemployment because they've lost their jobs. So what's your advice? Every year in tax season, I always have a couple people on unemployment and they are shocked at how much tax they have to pay. Most likely you're paying more than 10% in tax. So you wanna pull up last year's tax return and take your tax divided by your taxable income and figure out your effective tax rate. Maybe it's 22%. So your unemployment tax withholding is going to be about, in that case, 12% low, right? So you wanna also look at last year's tax return, see how much tax you paid overall and make sure that you're paying 110% of that number ahead of time through estimated tax payment. To my next question, how do we create a tax strategy? Oh my God, well, that's my favorite topic and I could talk about that for hours. <laughs> it is the most interesting topic to me. Tax efficiency is very important. It's very important. I'd say that there's probably more people earning W-2 or were earning W-2 um, and want to know how they can pay less tax. And honestly, there's not much you can do except max out your retirement contributions, your pre-tax dollars. We also just spend a ton of money on the CARES Act and we're in a deficit. So it's highly possible my, that our tax, the amount of tax we're going to pay is going to go up. All right. Wow. So right now, if you're a W-2 wage earner and you put in pre-tax contributions, you're, not, you're gonna take that money out in the future. And it is very likely that that tax amount is going to be higher then. So I'd really like you to focus on Roth. Roth, you can fund your Roth right now with post-tax dollars. You can think of it as a second emergency fund. You can pull your contributions back out without any tax consequence. Now that you're mentioning that our taxes might go up, right? That means that a lot of people won't find enough money to pay their taxes, which brings us again to another concept of debt, right? Tax debt. So how can we plan for that? We have many solutions to resolving tax debt. So there is no way that you should be like drowning in fear over it. And I'm just gonna lay them out right now. The easiest one is a payment plan. If you owe $25,000 or less, you take that amount that's owed, you divide it by 72 months, and that's the amount of your monthly payment plan. And you're out of collections, you're considered compliant, and you just write it out. Now, it costs $225 to get into that payment plan. The next thing you can do, let's say you take that amount of money and you divide it by 72, and that payment is just too much right now. It's too high. You can't possibly afford it. Your next option is a partial payment plan. And then we all have all heard about the Fresh Start program, the offer and compromise. I'm sure you've heard radio commercials, pennies on the dollar, okay? So this is where, again, you, you present that accounting evidence and you show, look, I can't pay this debt in the next 24 months. I think you should accept this dollar amount and call it a day. That's what an offer and compromise, offer and compromise is. And you can go on the Offer and Compromise website and use the pre-qualifier pre tool to see if this is an option for you. The next thing is currently not collectible, which means that you have no money to pay. You have no money to pay. You could get into CNC status, which is you're not in collections and the debt freezes. The negative side of that is there will be a lien filed on your assets. So you wanna use somebody like me who specializes in resolution, who can analyze your case and figure out what is the best strategy for you. Okay, and, and to not be a sc scared about it because there are ways to work it out with the IRS if you're one of the 
what, like 33 million Americans who don't have enough money to pay their taxes. And let's drop the shame about it right now. Let's just get into a solution. You know what I find so amazing is that you're empowering us with information and that can reduce the fear exponentially. It's And hope, there's yeah. hope. Well, I want my message to you today is that each one of us, every single one of us is capable of facing these problems, overcoming these obstacles and relieving ourselves of burden. There are simple financial steps and, and little action steps that you can take to dig out of this hole and you're not alone. It will require courage and courage is not the absence of fear, but it's facing the fear while it's there. And I know you can do it. Wow, wow. Thank you so much, Stephanie Anderson. This is so powerful. And I love what you say about fear. Thank you, thank you so much. So when we're talking about fear, everybody has different fears. We've been trying to put them into buckets, right? Economic fear or fear of the pandemic. And those are all very real. We all have different reactions to fear, but it turns out, as we were talking about earlier, the same thing that happens in your brain, like the chemicals and the timing and the neurotransmitters, that's pretty common person to person, but it's how you react to it that really changes things. So I wanted to ask you guys a funny question about fear. Are there any fears that you enjoy? Is there any fear that you actually seek out or say, yeah, that's that's fun. I like to do that. Well, on, on occasion, gas tastes and sushi is about as scary as I'll go. Places that <laughs> and there are people for whom that would be totally unacceptable and terrifying. Yes. <laughs> that is scary. That Please. is Jeanette's one of those people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to even think about when that sushi was actually made. But Jeanette, do you like topic. do you like extreme bike riding or scary movies or anything like that? Dang Not scary it. movies, but roller coasters for sure. I really enjoy roller coasters. I do too. I hadn't even thought about that as being an intentional fear, like something I like to be scared about. But you're right, that like click, click, click as you're going up. I get that and rush of, wait, why did I decide to do this? And then it pitches over. And so a lot of people do seek out fear. And I was really interested in this idea of why would, when being afraid is so awful for most of us, most of the time, why do people seek it out? And I found an expert. Her name is Margie Kerr, and she is both the person who helps with designing haunted houses for scare house around the country. And she has her PhD in sociology studying fear. And wow. she points out in all of her research that although most of us have lots of things that we hate to be scared of, many of us have things like extreme sports or scary movies or scary books, or just that being startled feeling that we like or that we go towards, or I guess gas station sushi, if we want to work with <laughs> terrible infectious disease. So when, so she said, there's a reason that we, that we want fear. And that is actually two things. She said, one, that it's in a safe space, that intellectually we know we're experiencing this fear, but we can't really be harmed by it. Brian, I'm not totally sure that's true about you, but we <laughs> believe that we understand the situation. Like we ski down the black diamond, whatever, because we're good skier and we understand that the risk isn't huge, but we still get that rush. Or we're in a movie theater, and even though we're getting triggered by all these primal fears, we still know that we're actually okay intellectually. And so I asked her, uh, I reached out and I asked her if we're 
now dealing with all these fears that could be real, that we can't convince ourselves it's actually okay, that none of these bad things that we're afraid of will really happen, but, but they really could. Is there anything she wishes that we all knew about fear? And here's what she told me. She said, it turns out that the research shows that if you always try to suppress your fear and your anxieties and pretend you don't feel that way, it actually makes those emotions more intense and worse. So if instead you look at your fear reactions and understand your reactions, you'll gain more control over them. And I don't know about you guys, I found that really reassuring that feeling fear, remember that old quote, fear is the enemy? Mm-hmm. She's saying that's, that's not the case. I love that. I, I love being able to actually embrace what you're feeling instead of fighting it, especially because we are already loading up our body with so many stress hormones, right? And if it's just for a few hours, it's one thing, but once you're in a constant state of fear and you're kind of running away from them, you won't be able to really escape the effect that that has on you. So I, I like the sense that maybe you can regain some sense of control by just accepting what you're feeling and saying, you know what, it's okay to feel that way. And Brian, she would say, she would support your gas station sushi habit because she said that when you go through these smaller fear experiences that you seek out, you actually build some resilience. You learn what your reactions are. And not only that, you learn that whatever you're afraid of is one thing, but your uncomfortable feelings, you learn skills to manage that discomfort. And you learn that feeling afraid won't damage you. So what it is, in a way, is like working a muscle. The more you work the muscle, the heavier you're able to to lift. And it, it sounds like right, or or like in that same way, like that. If you if I get winded going up a flight of stairs, but I go up a flight of stairs several times every day, then suddenly the same thing doesn't make me feel as winded. So I won't feel as afraid. I guess the thing that I took most from all of this is that feeling fear and that shame that we talked about earlier. We don't have to feel ashamed. As a matter of fact, we can use the fear that we're experiencing to learn about ourselves and feel a little less afraid the next time. As we were mentioning, fear is a part of our lives. It's part of what we are dealing with right now. And it doesn't necessarily have to be bad. There are many ways to deal with it and to maybe even use it to our advantage. So we're going to share with you a few hacks that can help you deal with fear in a much more positive and constructive way. Debbie, Brian, any hacks on your end? Um, I'll I'll start with what my biggest fear is, and I know that both of you uh, will understand this one. People think they know what fear is, but you don't know what fear is till you have a child. Once (laughs) you have kids, Everything scares you to death every time. Like they- your heart walking around outside your body. It yeah. really is. Oh, wait till they start driving. You know, wait till, wait till they get a car and they start driving. Every time they leave the house, you're just, you know, I, I, I lose clumps of hair. Uh, I'm, I'm so afraid of what could happen. And what, I, what my hack is, is that when you start to go to that place that makes you scared, change your association and concentrate on something else. Think about something else, and that takes away the fear. But instead, if you're going to sit there and spin your wheels about what could happen, and 99.99% of the time, it's not going to happen, you put your body through all of that and your emotions through all of that for no reason. That is totally true. And actually, in that same way, you just did the thing that I've been thinking about as how I handle fear, 
which is you got a bunch of other people who wouldn't say to you, oh, there's nothing to be scared of. They'd say, oh, yeah, because Jeanette and I both have drivers among our kids, too. We say, oh, yeah, we get that fear. Because the worst thing when you're afraid is to have somebody tell you why there's nothing to be scared of or you shouldn't be scared. So going to a group of people that actually share your concern, it can be really helpful. I know you guys might be thinking like it'll ramp you up and you'll feel even worse and you got to weed out those folks. But if you can go to a group of people who have that same fear and are working on it, um, who can understand what you're going through, but are willing to talk to you about strategies, you can right now, just like I did, but when I asked on social media, what are people afraid of? People naturally gravitated towards helping each other. Someone would comment about their fear and there would be a bunch of replies underneath talking about how they felt that way too, but they tried this or they tried that. That sense of community and shared brainstorming that we can get around a fear can really help to minimize it. Not only making me feel like I'm not alone, but also giving me things to try that I hadn't thought of. I feel that that sense of connection can be so powerful, especially when you realize that you're not the only one, you're not the only one in bed, you're not the only one unemployed, you're not the only one struggling right now, right? So all these fears are real, but for me, what helps the most is to break down each specific fear, right? And try to figure out what I can control. My fear is irrational. It's a reaction sometimes that I can't really even explain sometimes. And what I figured out is that if I focus on something that I can do to make myself feel better, like let's say I'm worried about my son driving at night. Okay, I can maybe strike a deal with him so I can track him and know more or less where he's going to be around. And that gives me peace of mind. It might seem tiny, but it helps me tremendously. So figure out little things that can make a huge difference. Let's say that you're worried about your health. But if you're not doing anything, if you're paralyzed and not doing your yearly checkups, then guess what? That fear starts climbing. But if you actively seek out the appointment, you go, you get your test done, that fear goes exponentially down. So find that little thing that can create a huge impact in your life and you will see how you can live with fear because you won't be able to eradicate it, but you can live with it and not let it take over your life. Now, before we leave this segment, I have to ask you both this question. Are you nervous at all when you're in the passenger seat and your kid is driving? <laughs> Depends I'm on not, the kid. Because oh, Debbie, tell the truth. I'm not, no, I'm not, because I taught them to drive, and I'm really good. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my 18-year-old, I feel pretty safe. My 15-year-old who is learning to drive, <laughs> I am clutching everything that I can get a hold of. And they watch. When you clutch, when you hold on to something, they're like, what? What? I didn't do anything. They take offense. They do. They're super offended when you grab for the, the chicken stick, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I think it's normal, right, Brian? It's normal to feel that way. Sure. We're spending this episode talking about this topic that is gigantic and that lurks and surprises us and comes out of anywhere. I wanted to wrap my own thoughts around this idea by, by just ending with saying that fear is something that changes every day. It's like this growth commodity. It can go up and we've all been seeing it go up, I think, in our lives, but it can go down also. And we can have a hand in that. We can do some of the strategies that we've heard about today especially 
getting that, that chemical, that cortisol burst, dampening that with oxytocin and dopamine. And the way that we get oxytocin and dopamine is by knowing that we're not alone, feeling the connection from other people. It doesn't mean, thank goodness, that we have to be in the presence of those other people. Sometimes just looking at pictures of people that you love or getting a notification on your phone that they showed up or hearing their voice. So I just wanna end by saying, reach out with a voice message or a video message to someone. And when they reach back in the same way, I think you're gonna find that your fear diminishes a little bit. Yeah, it, that is so powerful because connection is powerful. And right now, if you can't reach out to somebody, then find something that will make you laugh. Laugh also elicits a physical response. It will make you feel good it actually makes you breathe deeper. So you're getting more oxygen into your body. And that is something that we could all use more of, laughter in our everyday. And if, if that is not enough, breathing exercises can help you calm you down, take the fear down a notch and don't fight it. Accept it, work with it. And that way you will start feeling much, much better because you, you've got this and we got you. Let's hang in a little bit to what I was going to say to for a final thought, and that is the one thing that we have control over is what we think. We have we don't have control necessarily over what we eat <laughs> or what our financial circumstances are, but we have control over what we think. So as long as you can control your mind and and look at at a fear as as something that you can overcome or something that maybe you shouldn't be as worried about or this worried about right now. I'll, I'll shift my thoughts to something else. I think that can be very, very valuable. And it gives you the sense of being in control because you're using your own mind. That is so important because we can control our actions. We can't control what is happening to us, or sometimes we can't even control what we're afraid of, but that sense of controlling a little bit about what we can do, distracting ourselves and just acknowledging what we're going through can be very, very empowering. I hope this show really helped you. Thank you guys, honestly, for tuning in. We love reading your comments. And remember to tune in next week to the next episode of We Got You. Thank you for joining us for this episode of We Got You. You can like and subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on social media. You can find me at Ask Dr. G pretty much everywhere. And my website is askdrg.com. My name is Jeanette Kaploon. You can find me at Jeanette Kaploon and read my blog, hispanaglobal.net. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Copey or you can go to briancopeland.com. And remember, we got you.